Father, our hearts are open to you, and uh, we therefore can come boldly because of the throne of grace to which we come and uh, bow before you, Father. You are the one who is sovereign, not us. Our prayers are desired, but uh, we do not control you. Your plan is absolute, and you have a plan that even reaches down to sinners such as ourselves and your work is not finished you still have more to do even today under grace there's much more to do it seems you have not called us to be uh, with our lord jesus and then with yourself yet so we know there's much more work here and your grace is effective and i thank you father for uh, encouraging us by that grace uh, moment by moment father i we do pray for uh, the world condition but first of all father we thank you for all things we thank you for all things uh, even those things that are very difficult knowing that you have an eternal plan that you are working out not something just for this time this moment or just for us, or anything of the sort, but you have an eternal plan, a plan of redemption. It's the most important thing that you are doing, by far, by far. Uh, everything else uh, just uh, passes into insignificance in comparison to your eternal plan of redemption, and and uh, sending forth your Son, uh, sending him to the cross, that he might bear the full penalty for our sins, and then gloriously raising him from the dead and then bringing him uh, into your presence again there once that great work had been accomplished. So, Father, thank you that our Lord Jesus, our precious Savior, is at your right hand at this moment and that he's our intercessor too and he is at work in us. And we're so thankful, Father, for all of that. And for the great encouragement it is. Thank you for the letter to, by Paul to the Philippians that we will uh, essentially uh, finish up today. And um, I just pray, Father, that you'd open our hearts as we do so. Father, I pray for our president that you would uh, not only protect him, for the, that's a great request to protect him, but also to deliver him from the evil ones who constantly seek to destroy him in many ways so and they're both within and without this nation so father i pray for those in within this nation and those in our government who seek to destroy not the president only for their goal is much higher than that they wish to dis destroy our nation and our people and so father i pray that they would be defeated the enemy who mo motivates them who energizes them who directs them would be defeated of course as well in the midst of all that father i pray that you would draw many to yourself even in this very day through the word of grace father i pray that this uh, distraction a significant distraction in our government these last few weeks would be ended soon uh, in a way that would honor uh those that would dare, Father, to speak truth against lies and uh, to stand for that which is truly right and good for our nation and people. So please encourage them, Father, and uh, may those that are inclined to 
turn against our nation and its well-being. Father, I pray that you draw them back from that uh, possible decision. Father, I I uh, pray for the uh, the circumstances in China and in the world regarding this outbreak of of the coronavirus. Father, we are not medically inclined, so we do not truly understand it. But, um, Father, I just pray that there would be uh, great advances made against it, according to your perfect will there in China. There are many, many believers as well, and many of them are in poverty, Father, and may not have access to any uh, medical treatment, really, and so, Father, we just commit them to you especially, but also those that you would draw by your grace, Father, in these hard and dark days. And I pray that you'd protect uh, us here as well from this uh, terrible onset. Father, I pray for us now as we open your word that it would be a great, great blessing to us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Again, we open Paul's letter to the Philippians today, nearing the very end. In fact, we will reach the last verse today, unless I speak too long (laughs) at some point. But uh, that doesn't mean we'll be totally finished with the letter. I want to come back once or more, perhaps, to uh, provide an overview uh, hopefully you've been with us enough here on uh, Sunday morning to take in this entire letter and its teaching. It's it's just a, a it's a marvelous letter indeed. And if you just think of it, as we uh, get to the end of it today, just think of it this way: I mean, we we probably all, all always stop from time to time to think about what effect these words might have had at some point in the past. So whenever we open the scripture, I often think of that, you know, what was the effect of these words in times past? What was the effect of this letter to the Philippians? Uh, Realize that uh, things then were not as they are now. You can go into any bookstore and buy a Bible. You can go on the Internet and find free Bibles abundantly available. Uh, The Bible is accessible, at least in this country, and in many parts of the world. Not all, but many. But uh, it's accessible. That does not mean it's revered. That does not mean it is the, uh, uh, the light that it was given to be by the Lord God, right? But for the Philippians... What did they have of Scripture? You might wonder. And I, I don't know all the details. We know some. But uh, they had very little. And they may have had nothing of Scripture except one letter for some time there. A letter from the Apostle Paul. This very letter we've been uh, studying here, right? Imagine that situation. They would be reading it over and over, at least those that could read, right? They would be reading it out loud to the group. The group would be hearing these words over and over, and surely uh, it would be uh, put to memory, right? Um, 
their lives would have been focused on these words that the Apostle Paul wrote. They would have been transformed by these words. So the question for us is, is our life transformed by these words? And I trust that it is increasingly as we open it together. May its impact be great indeed. Last time we looked at uh, how Paul's testimony of God's abundant and sufficient grace uh, continued on. And uh, he was able at the end of the letter to, again, write about that testimony. In other words, what about the Lord God whom Paul uh, knew well and uh, the Lord Jesus whom he had come to know so well? Uh, what about that testimony, right? Uh, it's at the center of this letter, is it not? And uh, what we saw last time is that Paul uh, reminded the believers how he was rejoicing, even though he was under Roman house arrest. He was still rejoicing no matter what. He was contented, even though he suffered the lack of many things that normally would be considered essential for a good life. And he, he was without those things. He was contented. He had, through all of that, been initiated. In fact, the trials of life had been used by the Lord to initiate Paul. In other words, to bring him into a position of special knowledge. Uh, apart from those trials, uh, he implies pretty strongly he wouldn't have been able to comprehend the depth of the grace of God and how God was working in his life. Uh, so those trials were essential. And then he, he, he very strongly says he had been empowered even by Christ himself through all of that, right? Well, surely that was a great example to the Philippians. They knew Paul well and, uh, and were so blessed, I'm sure, receiving this letter to learn of his testimony. And uh, what we're going to see today is that uh, as he finishes up that statement concerning his testimony, there is a, a grand exhortation really uh, for us all to enter into the same uh, way of life that Paul lived out so well, right? Uh, Paul was not perfect. He was still a sinner. And, uh, and yet, God's grace was abundant in his life, and he made that known to everyone he came in contact with, it seems. So that's what we saw last time. I'll just read two verses from that, um, and, and, then a, <clears throat> and then a third. But um, from Philippians chapter 4 verses and verses 11 uh, through 13. But I guess rather than do that, since um, Patty will be reading those shortly, I think I will not read them again now. I'll just let her read them in a moment. But uh, let me just say this. Uh, those verses are verses we should ponder. We should uh, read them over and over. We should take them to heart because what Paul is really saying is that there's a great, great benefit in uh, realizing that God's working in us and around us is according to his plan. 
It's according to his will. And if the letter to the Philippians says anything at all that should be taken to heart, it's that God's work is uh, what's most important. Not ours. It's his work. We should respect him for that always uh, and uh, not be rebellious. I, <laughs> in the morning Bible study, we're looking at uh, the book of Exodus verse by verse, and we see how rebellious the children of Israel were, even though God had uh, delivered them from the most horrible 400 years of bondage, right? He had delivered them from it by a mighty arm, and yet they were uh, arguing against the Lord. They were questioning the Lord. They were murmuring. Remember the murmurings and so forth, right? But may it not be true of us, okay? May it not be true of us. And these words uh, in Philippians are meant to help us in that regard because our human nature wants to resist. It wants to uh, rebel. It wants to find a different path somehow or other, other than what the Lord has provided. It's the nature of our our hum, humanity that wants that, right? So may the Lord God be powerful and uh, guide and lead us in this life so that the newness of life overwhelms us each moment of each day. Okay, so let's uh, get started directly. So we're going to look from verses 13 down to the end of the chapter. Uh, and uh, what we'll see is uh, how Paul's example for the Philippians is uh, completed. It's completed. Uh, and uh, there will be a number of aspects to that. Uh, first, first of all, uh, we'll find out how how well prepared Paul was for every circumstance that came his way, how well prepared he was by God, of course, right? Um, how he didn't allow physical challenges to dominate his life. He simply did not allow the physical challenges to dominate. Uh, he was satisfied with the Lord's provision, satisfied with the Lord's provision, and <laughs> Quite wonderfully, the blessings that Paul experienced, he said, are available to all of us. We all have those blessings available that he had. So, my, that means his his uh, testimony uh, can be very effective because uh, we have available what he had. Okay, and then he has a salutation at the end, and there's a most wonderful little aspect to that that we'll get to in a moment uh, and then the completing of the letter the finishing up of the letter and uh, the end there his closing salutation <laughs> ends on a note which I think uh, stands looms large you might say here as we come to that last few words okay um, first of all Paul was very well prepared for every circumstance and in life, and uh, not just a few of them, <laughs> he was well prepared for all of them, and that doesn't mean they weren't a challenge to him. It just means he was prepared by God himself, right? The work of God was a reality in his life. And so, Patty, can you read that for us? Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 10 through 13. 
But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath hath flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Thank you. Well, we looked at all these verses last time, and so uh, we wouldn't have to do it again now, except that there's a flow of of thought here, and the power of the passage is very much based on those verses. Okay, so uh, as Paul finishes up his letter, and remember this, I mean, if, if, if someone were reading this letter to you in the fellowship, if it had just arrived, Epaphroditus knocked on the door, you opened the door, uh, there was your dearly beloved uh, Epaphroditus who had just arrived from Rome, and he had this uh, this scroll in his hand, and it was the letter that he had delivered from the Apostle Paul. And uh, it was read to you at that time. It wouldn't take very long to read this letter. And uh, when 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 you listen to these letters read, they have a special impact that they don't have when you're just slowly going along verse by verse the way we are here, right? So that's why I felt that it was so important to, again, have well in mind those verses, verses 10 through 13, that finish up with that great statement, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So there's no limit to the preparation that the God has, that the Lord God has made in, in Paul. Uh, he is well prepared for every circumstance of life, right? No question about it. Um, when he's suffering lack, he says, I abound. When he abounds, he says, I've, I'm suffering lack. In other words, don't hold the things of this earth too tightly. They may soon be gone. And let's live independently of whether we have those things or not. Right? Because it's an eternal plan that God is working out. We should have our hearts focused on that. Okay, so uh, the effect of that, of course, will not only be in you and in me, but in others, right? And uh, that's really what the whole letter is about, how, how the effect of God's working was a reality in many, right? Even all the way to the top, as we're going to see in a moment, even in Caesar's uh, household. Okay, uh, second point um, Paul did not allow his physical challenges to dominate his life. Now, he wasn't in denial. These challenges were real, and we do not understand that much about them and how difficult it might have been for Paul. We don't need to know. Let's just take him at his word, right? Um, Linda, would you please read uh, from verses 4 through 17 for us? Notwithstanding, you have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, that I departed from Macedonia, 
No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Okay, thank you, Linda. So Paul didn't allow the physical challenges to dominate his thinking because, as he says here, um, <laughs> yes, he was thankful and appreciative for all that had been provided by the Philippians. They often apparently sent gifts to sustain him there. When you were in a Roman uh, confinement, they were not providing much for you. In other words, that someone else had to provide it from the outside. And they were doing that, and they did that all along. And as, as he went on this missionary journey, right, it says in, he was in Thessalonica. Now, we know he was there uh, for a while, not that long, uh, but they, they kept sending. They kept sending the messengers that came with gifts, right? Um, and so what he says is, I desire fruit that may abound to your account, right? Uh, because he'd already learned uh, that uh, whether he had a great lack or a abundance, uh, it was all of the Lord. So he wanted them to fulfill the desire that was in their heart to help Paul, uh, and that would be a great blessing to them as well as to Paul, right? And that was the point of it. Um so the physical aspect of it was not dominating Paul's life. He had his heart set on other other matters, but it was to be thanked. Uh, to be, it was something to bring forth thanksgiving, and that thanksgiving then would be multiplied. Okay, and that was the point of uh, those verses. Okay, then then we find out that uh, in verse eighteen um, that. Paul was satisfied uh, with whatever the Lord provided, right? Uh, he was he was satisfied, and so um, <laughs> with whatever the Lord provided. Okay, so Tom, would you please read Philippians four eighteen? You said eighteen and nineteen. Do you want me to do both? Sure, go ahead. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Uh, th these words are so moving are they not and uh, <laughs> I, I just kind of kind of kind of overwhelmed really when I read them or hear them read uh, an odor of a sweet smell a sacrifice acceptable well pleasing to God <laughs> now what we don't know is how much the Philippians had sacrificed for Paul, right? But it, clearly it was a lot uh, because of uh, how he uh, words it in the next verse, right? So Paul was satisfied. He even said, I have everything. 
I'm abounding. I'm I'm full. That word full, full to overflowing. There's several words here used for uh, blessings that are even beyond what can be imagined or known uh, by us, right? So so Paul understood it was the Lord's provision through the Philippians, and it was uh, just absolutely uh, astounding, really. He he comes up with these words on the Holy Spirit's uh, uh, instigation, as it were, direction uh, to describe it. And uh, what a wonderful description it is. But then he says that these blessings that he's experiencing are available to everyone, meaning to the for the Philippians and for everyone else too, who is in the body of Christ, right? So he says in the next verse, as Tom just read, but my God, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, uh, this, this is a, if there is ever a refrigerator verse, this is certainly <laughs> one of them, right? Um, don't you need to be reminded of this? Uh, don't I need to be reminded of it that God shall this is a future this is a promise right and it's right in that context of them having uh, sacrificed so much for Paul so I am thinking that what they had sacrificed was was uh, really things that were absolutely critical to their own lives right and yet they gave them willingly it wasn't as if well, they're billionaires, so they gave a million or something like that. Uh, no, it's more like they're on the edge of poverty and they gave that which they themselves needed, but they did it because uh, they knew that uh, their dear uh, friend Paul was in need uh, or likely to be in need. See, they couldn't have had all the details of it. Either. I mean, they could have assumed, well, Paul's doing okay. Probably the other churches are supporting him. Well, that apparently was not on their mind. Uh, and so they gave freely, and uh, and the blessings uh, would accrue back to them, he says. But but what he doesn't say, <laughs> see, uh, you, you could, uh, if you were writing the letter, and if you wanted to make a promise that would really be, be uh, well received you might say oh God's going to pay you back there's no problem uh, it'll just take a moment right but that's not what he says he says but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus in other words it's not defined here as to how or in what form this blessing will come uh it may not even come till eternity future. It seems to me the implication is pretty strong that uh, their trials and their 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 sufferings may continue, uh, even though there's a promise of God to meet every need, right? So in other words, there's a difference between needs and wants. Uh, needs are those things that are fundamental, right? And... Uh, Wants are things that we surely would like to have. Um, and we can make a long list of those, right? <laughs> very, very easily. But um, what's been promised is that 
the the God that Paul knows well. Notice he does say my God whenever you see those words together. In fact, do a word study on that. My God, my God, do a word study on that. You're going to be blessed if you do that. I've done that a few times and been blessed always by doing it. Uh, so you find it in scripture a number of times and uh, it, it's significant. My God. In other words, the the God that I know so well, so personally, uh, he will also to to abundance, to overflowing, pour out his blessings upon you uh, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So, okay, what a what a wonderful promise that is. Um, and I could tell you a lot. I could give you personal testimonies. I'm tempted to do it, but it would take far too long about how... Uh, through abundance or through the opposite of that, through the lack of that, God has blessed me and uh, our family so abundantly. Um, those words, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, have, have uh, communicated so much to us over the years. So praise the Lord. Um, Okay, uh, now we get to the salutation. Okay, so uh, these are the last few verses in the letter. And uh, verse uh, 20 through 22, Patty, would you please read those for us? Now unto God and our Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It seems amazing to me that we've come to this point, that Paul's giving a salutation. Now, what is a salutation? We don't use that word much. We we have the word salute. It's a, in a military context. It uh, it makes sense, right? Uh, <clears throat> if you salute, uh, you're a commanding officer, right, in the military, or maybe, maybe uh, out of respect, you salute the president, right, <laughs> who's at the top of the, the chain of command. Um, what does it mean to say you salute? Does it mean to say, oh, hi, I hope it's going well for you? No, it doesn't mean that, right? It, it it means uh, I I respect uh, you fully and our relationship and I confirm that um, by words or by action or or however right uh, and so what Paul is doing here uh, he's greeting them appropriately okay and in fact the same word for salute is translated greet. Uh, right there in uh, verse 21. So, <clears throat> but we're not there yet. We're on verse 20. Hmm. This is the beginning of the salutation. He begins it by basically saluting the Lord God, right? Now, unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. 
Amen. It's like that was the last word in the letter. And then they added the others. He added the others uh, a little bit later. Maybe after reading the letter, he says, oh, uh, I'd like to add this. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Hmm. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. so uh, greetings, uh, as it were, really kind of from the highest place, right? He says this is all unto God, so and all of this is for his glory. Not only now, but forever, right? So all that he's written, all that he's written, he stands by. This is now uh, uh, something that's going to stand for all eternity. And... Um, And so it's all unto God and his glory. But the saints are very much a part of it all. So he says greetings to all the saints. But he mentions something here which is really striking. It is so striking, just like it was in chapter 1 when he referred to the same thing, right? So chapter 1 introduces the subject, chapter 4 Uh, closes the subject. The subject is how God worked through Paul's imprisonment in Rome, in Caesar's household. Now, this may be the Praetorian Guard that's referred to. It may be more than that. I think it is. I think it's actually in Caesar's house. And as I mentioned, I think it was last time, uh, there is even historical evidence that there were members of Caesar's own family who came to know Christ through Paul's witness, right? Uh, and I, I mentioned that there's a catacomb named after one of them, a woman, okay? Um, so we don't have to take that, that catacomb as that significant necessarily, uh, but we do have to take scripture uh significantly and to heart and it says here then all the saints salute you chiefly chiefly they that are of caesar's household now they are greeting the believers in philippi think about this (laughs) i just find this to be so wonderful right so Paul is taken off as a captive. He's under house arrest, but it's for his own protection, you might say. But anyway, he's appealed to Caesar, right? Against the accusations of the Jews, right? And uh, so they've taken him off to Rome because he's a Roman citizen. And every Roman citizen could appeal to Caesar if necessary, right? Uh, And there was a possible death penalty, that the Jews were trying to execute, right? Okay, so he's taken off to Rome, but now some at the very top. Now, remember, Rome rules the world. So we're talking about, we're, we're in the White House now, as it were, okay? And not, not even that, we're, we're in the tower. Okay, we're, this is Caesar's household, right? <laughs> and uh, there are those there who are now saluting or greeting the Philippians. Why? Because they have cared so well for their beloved Paul. 
Think about that. Isn't that, isn't that a precious thing? And that he says chiefly, and the word for chiefly here is a very strong word. It means over or above everything. <laughs> uh, well, Timothy was with him here at this point, right? Epaphroditus is right there at his side, right? Uh, there are others, no doubt, that are very precious to Paul. That what he mentions here is, he says chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. I think he's saying more than that they're at the at a high level in Caesar's household. I think he's saying this is so important. It has to do with everything God is doing here in Rome right now, right? <laughs> God is doing a great work in Rome right now. And I want you Philippians to know how you're part of that work. And that's what these words signify as a result. They're all part of the great work of God. Uh, you might remember back in the first chapter uh, in this letter, in verse 13, Paul said, My bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. That does not mean they knew this. there was this, this prisoner from, from uh, Judea who uh, was uh, under house arrest. It's not about a prisoner from Judea being under house arrest. It's about someone who was bound, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Right? And that word got out. So what God did through Paul and his ministry there was just magnificent. Okay? Uh, but you know, uh, it hasn't really gone down in history. In secular history, you find no reference to any of this, right? It's like Paul was not even uh, ever in Rome. Uh, secular history is quiet. Um, so we get then to the final uh, closing of the salutation, and it's completed here in these words. And uh, Linda, I'd like you to read verse 20 and then verse 23, because the two verses together uh, complete the salutation. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Linda. So, Paul finishes the letter the way he starts the letter. Remember verse 2 mentioned grace and peace. Um, Paul offered that grace and that peace. You know, in verse 2 of the letter, right? Now he completes the thought that may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And of course, in this context, glory, glory, glory forever and ever to God our Father. He has worked it all out. He has made it all happen. And uh, <laughs> I just think little more than that our praise and, and uh, thanksgiving to God should never cease, right? It should never cease. Because our circumstances are not that different from Paul's. We're not bound to a centurion or something like that in, in Rome. But uh, our circumstances certainly are uh, uh, significant in our lives, right? And uh, and yet we should never forget that the Lord God never stops his working. 
in and through us. Oh, he's never going to stop it. And and I'll look at these uh, verses next time. But in chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, He's confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, right? So God's working isn't going to stop, not in us, right, and through us. And then in verse 19 of chapter 1, he says, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So the Lord was at work in Paul and through Paul. It was not going to stop. Uh, until God's final purpose was accomplished for Paul. Same is true for us, he says. Chapter 4 reflects that. Verse 19, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Right? He also makes it very clear in the letter, we're all together in this great work of God. We're all together in it. Um, In verse 7 of chapter 1, he says, You are all partakers of my grace. You are all partakers of my grace. And in chapter 4, verse 18, he says, I have everything. What you sent is an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. They were all partakers of his grace. And then when he gets to the last verse he mentions the grace of our lord jesus christ may it be with you all but in verse two of the letter he says grace be unto you and peace from god our father and from the lord jesus christ so what a complete and uh, um, really very very weighty and profound letter this is about god's sovereign work under grace in and through each of us. In and through each of us. And as Paul makes so clear, it's whatever our circumstances. So God's plan is not just for today, it's eternal. And as I've said before, and you probably have heard it many times, uh, today is merely a preparation for eternity. So may God be blessed and honored now and forever, as Paul made so clear in that strong statement in verse number 20. To God and our Father be glory forever and ever and amen. Are there any questions or comments? If you're like me, you may be rather overwhelmed at this point and not want to talk any longer. <laughs> but it's any questions or comments? Hey, Jim. Yes, Tom. Uh, I I was almost taken with what you were saying about admonishing us to praise God continuously. That I I find that odd because I think it's built into us. Um, if if we have an understanding of the redemption. Mm. <laughs> if we have an understanding of the creation, mm-hmm. uh, it boggles me. I I need eternity to 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 praise Him. I I feel a real strong need uh, 
to yeah. explore his handiwork and and who and the and the person of of my savior i i just i just find that astounding that that you should mention it <laughs> really it's, it's, yeah uh, I, well now why would i have mentioned it uh, well it it sounded like perhaps somebody didn't know <laughs> i'm sorry I'm, I'm i'm reading things into this but you know it's you're right, Tom. That's exactly the reason. If we know it, then of course it's it's second nature, right, as it were. But what if we do not know it, or we've only begun to enter into its glory? I like the way you said it, though, where you said, if we know. That's the big thing. So why does he? Why does Paul write the letter so that they might know? Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And they were the Philippians. They were believers. <clears throat> they were believers. He wasn't questioning that, right? But he was questioning the level of their knowledge of how God was working mm-hmm. in their lives. Of course, the song. Uh, there's a verse praising my Savior all the day long. Yes, yeah. my yeah. glory. This is my song. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. a song, yeah, a song that we uh, we enjoy singing, don't we? Yeah. Well, brother Tom, would you like to close us in prayer today? Almighty Father, blessed are you, wonderful are you in every way that I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Father, um, we trust that um, you have been honored by our brother's exposition here of the lesson to the Philippians and to us. Thank you, Father, for this good day. Father, we are incredibly, uh, astoundingly impressed with your love for us in your son. Mm-hmm. Um I know, Father, you built into many of us parents uh, a special sensitivity for losing the son. And, and so we know all the better of what he and you had to suffer being for the first time mm. separated. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being willing to go to the cross to redeem your creation, your handiwork. Thank you, Father, for the presence of your spirit. Father, we thank you for all those who participated here. Uh, I want to lift up Roy, Father, that you might find a way to heal him, but not my will. Thank you, Father, for our government, Father, I plead, I plead for wisdom for our nation's leaders and those who imagine themselves to be our leaders. And thank you, Father, for our servicemen and women. And we would ask that you would continue your uh, protection of them and more especially the missionaries, our missionaries that are in dangerous countries trying to communicate the good news to the lost. Father, we lift up the Christians in China, 
Father, there's uh, there's a lot on our hearts. Uh, Father, so much is yet unspoken, but I pray this with great expectation in Jesus' name. Amen.